Yeah, good afternoon to our vet, Dr. Bob. Dr. Robert Stabler, hello. Aussiebirdcount.org.au. You're talking about the Aussie Bird Count. Was it last weekend or is it this weekend? Now. It's now. This it's week. On. National okay. Bird Week in Australia. Right, we'll talk further about that. And you love to talk a little bit about behaviour issues too with our dogs. I do. You're Post, very good with that. Post-traumatic stress disorder, if we oh, get time for that. Okay, we'll try and get that in, plus your calls. And also Cheryl Shaw is here. Hello, Cheryl. Good afternoon. Dogs with pacemakers. I didn't know this was possible. Absolutely. It followed on from the humans. So, yes, dogs are very lucky and can also have pacemakers. And you've got someone special that we're talking to about that. Yes, we're going to be speaking with Louise a little bit later. Now, Cheryl, you've got a special guest joining us. I have. Well, look, with our dogs, not only do our dogs, we love them with our hearts, but sometimes we need to look after their little hearts. And so, Louise, are you there? Hello, how are you? Very well. So, Louise, you've got a little cavalier named Kevin, and he's yes. a very big part of your family. Why is he so special? What's, what makes him tick? Well, a pacemaker now. Uh, three months ago, he went for a routine operation and became very unwell on the operating table. Our wonderful vet got him sorted out and uh, we were told he was in third-degree heart block and that we needed to see a cardiologist in Sydney and he needed a pacemaker. So so with that surgery, going down to Sydney to have that done, was it, yeah. a, was it a traumatic experience for him? Oh, or? It was, it was, oh, for him? <laughs> well, he seemed to be quite happy with all the attention. As you know, he loves a bit of attention. For us, yeah, there was a lot of decisions to make, you know. Um, if he didn't have the pacemaker, he would die. So, you know, I think essentially for my husband and I, when we were given an option that was a piece of equipment that would maintain his heart rate indefinitely, there was no decision for us. We had to get it for him because, yeah, you know, that would keep him alive. Yep. So with his now having had that done for three months, does he regularly have to visit the cardiologist or what happens okay. now? So we go and see Dr Singh um, at the start of November and then we have yearly checkups after that just to make sure that the pacemaker is working correctly. The battery is still charged, which is pretty important. And also that the lead that goes down into the heart that is pacing it is still in place. That's very important that we, we had to keep him quiet for six weeks post-op so that that uh, lead could anchor itself in place. So that's very critical there because obviously yes. if he's jumping around or, or yes. exercising too much, it's not going to um, secure. No. So are there any other things that you've got to be careful for now that he has the pacemaker in? Um, yes. Well, behind the pacemaker battery is actually positioned behind his right shoulder so he can't get at it. The lead then goes up his neck and then down into his thoracic cavity. So he can never wear a collar around his neck because a collar could displace the lead. We have to put a harness on him, you know, to walk him. That that doesn't particularly bother him. He's happy with that. But um, that, that's pretty much it. He's not on any medications. That's it's really just, good. Yeah. yeah, the pacemaker is just maintaining a regular heartbeat for him. So he'll now go on to have a full and happy life and, yes, um, and quality absolutely. of life as well. Did, were you aware before he went into surgery that there may have been any issues with him? I had mentioned with his vet that he, I felt that he had a slower heart rate, but at that time he wasn't showing any signs or symptoms and his heart rate was... Borderline, but not. It wasn't until he was given the anaesthetic and his heart rate went down to 24 that they realised there was a very serious problem. Oh, yeah. And the operation that he went in for actually didn't happen because he 
had some other serious issues. But from the time that he was diagnosed, he actually had a pacemaker nine days later. So it all happened very quickly. Very quickly. And has he settled back into family life and everything's normal for him? He's a different dog. We didn't actually realise how lethargic he was. We thought it was due to his injury that he was lethargic, but he was actually starting to show signs of heart uh, block. So he is back to loving life, full of energy, still loving his food as always. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's... There there was really no decision for us, Cheryl. Like, he, he is such a big part of our family. But to see the benefits, you know so soon has been reassuring for us. Oh, that's really good. Well, pacemakers have been around a long time. I, I mean, mm. for, for pets, um, a lot of people wouldn't be aware, but they've been placing them in since 1968. So it is, a, it is a long, t- you know, a long time ago, but you don't often see or hear of anybody with a dog with a pacemaker. And um, apparently cats and ferrets can have them as well, which I find rather interesting. But um, yeah, it, it is something different. Now, Louise, another thing, have um, the telephone, the cell phone, is there any issues with the cell phone near the dog? No, not that we were told or the microwave or anything like that. We we were given like quite a you know, um, in-depth instructions on how to care for Kevin, but yeah, no, nothing like that was said to us. Okay. I haven't even heard that one actually. Oh, okay. Well, I, I did I did hear um, sort of somebody was saying once to me that about, about the cell phone, you need to be very careful, but apparently not. It's You would have been told if there were some issues, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, I think um, technology is changing so quickly these days that we don't need to worry about that then. And and Louise, what about when you go walking? Is he exercising okay? Does he oh, still enjoy going out? He loves going for a walk now. He's actually really keen to go for a walk. The pacemaker, the beats per minute just go, you know, go along with his energy level and how many beats a minute he requires, you know, to get the blood pumping. When he was getting sick, the the heart cools with blood because there's not as many beats a minute to empty the heart. So the blood starts to cool. So now that that blood is pumping, he's getting plenty of oxygen, he is he's just feeling much better and a lot more energetic. Yeah, oh, that's really wonderful. And his long-term prognosis is really good. Yeah. So that's a great yeah. outcome. Well, it's really wonderful for people to know that, you know, there's options for them out there. It's not super vet stuff. They can certainly go and see their vet and if they're needing anything, they can um, head off and have their dog have a pacemaker. <laughs> well, I didn't know dogs could get pacemakers. I mean... You just don't know what's out there. No, no, it's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing Kevin's story with us today. It's oh, you're certain, welcome. It certainly is an eye-opener. No, my pleasure. From Swansea, hello, Barry. You would like to talk about a snake bite in dogs. Yes, please, mate. Um, we all know the, the procedure for a human getting bitten by a snake bite. What do you do with a snake bite for a dog when you know when you're a vet? What's well, there immediate first aid that we do? Because we go bushwalking a lot. The difficulty is that it, it's much the same as in people, and they think it's about the the collateral circulation, so not just the blood supply, but the lymph system. So mm-hmm. it's immobilised the area where it's bitten, yep. keeping him as the animal as calm as possible, and transport, carry if possible. Yeah, and and it really is a time factor. The sooner you can get to that antivenine, the better it is. So, and, and there's really, that's the only treatment. If there's no antivenine, then some of them pull through. It really depends on the amount of toxin, the type of snake, how yeah. badly it was bitten and where it was bitten. So yeah. it's mobile, immobilised the, the, the limb. Same as a human 
same, basically. Basically much the same. The first aid is, Not yeah. a problem. I just okay. didn't know what to do if he ever got bit. Not that I want him to be, but should no. he ever get bitten? And, and that's the thing about, yeah, about bushwalking as well. It's I, yep. I usually say to people, five minutes off lead, let them wander around, then a couple yep. of minutes on lead. So come yep. back, be sensible, walk with me. Um, usually because, yeah, dogs are a bit buffy, they make a lot of noise. Usually the snake yeah. will take off. Uh, like a little terrier and they chase anything that moves. Yeah, so that's why it's so important to practice recall and get them yep. to come back when you call them straight away. Yeah. Yeah, we're water. working on that. He's only a rescue dog, hasn't there long, but we're working on that. Yeah, <laughs> little bits at a time and short lead, then long lead, and then off lead, and then back again to short lead. Great topic. Thank you for sharing that with us today, Barry. Now, if you'd like to talk to our vet, Dr. Bob, you can call through now, 49. 216216 you'll get on the radio straight away now bob the aussie bird count what's this all about it's really exciting i i have to blame my friend bruce who i went on a, a cruise with at the start of the year and he's a twitcher so he loves to watch birds bird and fancier yeah and he, he's taken over 400 bird pictures and puts them on his facebook page and things so um, a week or two ago, went to see Tim Lowe out at Cessnock. The local lands board put that on, and that was just incredible. So he's written a book about bird songs originating in Australia. And so, yeah, they talked about the Aussie bird count, so I downloaded the app off the the, um, the app store or whatever, or you can look at the, the website. And there's been something like 500,000 birds um, mm. registered already, so... And I, I thought, how are you going? Are you identifying the whistles? That you're able to? I yeah. See, I'm only just. I'm not. A, I haven't been a big bird person, but it is so fascinating. I yeah. thought, oh, I'll just see a couple of noisy miners. But mm. there were five different species of birds I saw just sitting there for 20 minutes this morning. Started on Monday. I was a bit slow, but it's this week. So you write down, and it, in, on the app, it actually has. If you know the bird, you can put that in. Or you can actually look through the, the field guide and you can actually go through, yeah, how big is the bird? Just looking out the window here. Hang on a second. Minor bird. Uh, no, another minor bird. And there's another. Yep, University that's, of Newcastle. We've got our share no, of minor birds no, here. if you look closer and sat there, you would be amazed because they're masters of disguise. Uh, minor birds. <laughs> well, no, they tend to. That's why I thought I had minor birds. You do the gardening and that's all you hear. But, but then the rosella came through and then the, the whip bird and then the... the, the um, Raven, and so it was Plenty just of cockatoos out there? Black cockatoos. I saw two. Aren't they rare? They, they, Plenty I, of sulphur-crested ones around. At, at the moment in Cardiff, um, we've got two or three that fly through a couple of times a day. But all the other birds are very quiet when they fly through because they eat the other birds, you see. Oh. So there's silence. And then you hear, <laughs> as they go over and you go, oh, yeah, here's something to be destroyed. But just beautiful when you look at them, just incredible. And the camouflage of all, and, and what was it, 500 species that have been identified so far in two or three days. Now, what about this website they've got? AussieBirdCount.org.au. So go to that, have a look, and you'll be able to see all the different birds. Most of them have got pictures with them, and so that helps when you're actually trying to Can you to get involved them. with the website? You just, yeah, download the app on your phone um, or on your computer and just, yeah, enter the count in that 20 minutes. And you'll be twitching too. And I could be twitching. Well, I already was twitching a bit. So, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I thought very... you liked me. I thought it was just a wink, but it's yeah. a twitch. Like, oh. I'm fascinated by birds now. I really wasn't a big bird person. It's so interesting. Pat with us. Hello, Pat. Hello, then. Pat, Pat how can I help you? I have a, a dwarf Netherland rabbit who uh, keeps getting diary. How can I help him? Has he been wormed recently? No. 
That'd be probably the first thing. Um, oh. And how do rabbits get worms? Very interesting question. Sometimes yeah. from their mother, sometimes from just the, the grass. Um, but it would be the first thing to do. Not too many fleas about? or No. The other thing is food. So um, just make sure that the food you're giving is appropriate for rabbits. Being a dwarf rabbit, they also have a more specialised bowel. So you'll need to be very careful about what sort of food. So don't overdose with a particular one. It's good to give the the um, pet shop or whatever rabbit mix, but it's very important also to have, yeah, just regular other things, grass and hay and things like that, that they can play with and toss around. So, okay. But if it's not improving, there are a number of vets in Newcastle that do, um, yeah, are very good with uh, your pocket pets like rabbits and ferrets and things like that. Okay, I'll... Try the worm, see how we go. Okay. Thanks, Pat. All Thank right. you for your call, Thank Pat. You. Now, tell me, what is the uh, vet name for rabbits? Don't get technical, what Dave. Come on, I like it. <laughs> when you do that? There's a, it's a C word, isn't it? <laughs> you must know. You're the vet. Well, six years of study, what? Five years of study. Five yeah. years, yeah. But, 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 yeah, I'll look it up. <laughs> Gary's with us now from East Maitland. An angry dog, Gary? Uh, I think so. Well, um... He has, since he's been a baby, even when we, we took him to puppy school, then, then we, he went to the next school, he was always the dominant um, mouthy dog. Yep. And um, it's been a pain for years, actually, and uh, I just feel as though, because he's so loving with us, and um, it's a bit of a problem. Gary, can you just turn your radio down in the background there, please? Well, you've got so a great we, echo. Yeah. Uh, okay, so is that better? I'll, I'll go to another room and maybe it's better. Okay, so yeah, with problem with animals, it is the same as people, that you can have some kids that you can see those aggression signs happening very early. The most important yes. thing is to interrupt, if you can, redirect a toy, a treat um, on the bed or outside. But also they need reassurance. So... Um, the main triggers for dogs getting a bit cranky are high-valued resources are food, people, beds, doorways or confined spaces, toys. So, this one is people. He depends on me so much. I, go, I know that, recognise that all the time. Yeah, so you've got to be very careful that when there's other people around, either he's on lead or he's out of the room. The most important time about with aggression with dogs is when their people are arriving when they get up, if they're in the house or about to go to the loo, or when they actually, um, when people are going as well. So the dog gets a, um, a bit aroused because everybody's, you know, oh, you're getting up, you're going, what's going to happen now? So it's movement that they're focused on. So either putting him on lead, putting him on a behind a partial barrier like a lounge so he can't actually see the movement and asking him to be sensible. So as you heard before when I was talking about the Aussie bird count, my voice went up all high because it was so exciting. But we need to keep our voice nice and calm to try and help the animal to reflect the calmness in us. Okay, that's where the other thing is that maybe I'm not calm. That's, that's, <laughs> I must admit that uh, I'm, I'm an excitable man. That's all about it because... I love my kids and I love my dog. That's all about it. And it's okay to be yeah. excitable, but we also have to yeah. practice being calm, as my wife keeps telling me when we're heading out the door. You're going to be sensible today, Robin. I'll do my best. <laughs> Gary joining us. Hello, Gary. Stephen. Oh, no, Stephen. It is Stephen from Shortland. How are you? Good, mate. Good. There you are. Um, I just want
want to make a query. My son just bought a Staffy pup from a supposedly registered breeder off the internet. Um, and the breeder lives about three or four hours away. They delivered the dog, and the day it was delivered, it had a fit. Um, and he took it to the vet, and they were going to do all these tests on it. But even the day I seen this dog, the very first time I said that there was something wrong with it. Now, this breeder was supposed to have had this dog vet checked and they're supposed to be involved in the veterinary industry themselves. Um, they have agreed to take the dog back, but they more or less said, well, we're not going to try and fix it, we'll just put it down. Um, is there any recourse, even though they're going to take the dog back, is there any way, because I think this person should be reported, about, well, I'm under the assumption and I truly believe that they knew there was something wrong with this dog when they sold it to me, son. Is there, like, a Breeders' Association or the RSPCA or somebody they can be reported to? There definitely is a, a, a registered Breeders' Association, New South Wales Canine Kennel Club, and the difficulty is that they say they're registered breeders, but is there actually <laughs> proof of that? 50% of animals, according to a survey last year in Adelaide, now come off gum tree. And well, so unfortunately, you, that's where we got it from. And you can't check those details. It makes me more suspicious when they bring it to you or they meet you in, at McDonald's on the highway. Well, if, you've hit the nail on the head again. <laughs> they met him at McDonald's. And this is, this is what I hear. So it's actually they're coming from um, hoarders. They're coming from um, puppy farms. And so they're actually not a registered breeder. And people tell me, oh, I got it from a registered breeder, but it's a, a designer pet. So it's a cavoodle, a cavalier cross poodle. You can't actually be a registered breeder of a designer pet. That's not accepted by the, the Canine, Canine Council. So the He's registration... Supposedly a purebred staffy, yeah. which is by the look of him. Again, purebred staffy, English, American, or, yeah. pit, or pit bull, basically. So there was a number of animals coming up from South Australia. They were huge, massive blue dogs, and, and they really were very, very dangerous. So you've got to be very careful. Go into these situations with your eyes open. Unfortunately, they look on the web. They look at the pretty pictures. They believe the story. They look at it and think, oh, it seems okay, but we know what we have to do. You have to go and see the breeder. You have to see the establishment. You have to check their credentials, see whether they're registered with a canine council and make sure that you don't get sucked in by the interweb. All right, thanks for your call there. Now we've got Ron joining us from Newcastle talking about a rabbit. Yes, I was uh, just listening to um, uh, the lady with the um, dwarf Netherlands. Yes, that was Pat. Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, Pat. Yeah. Um, I've had one for almost 10 years now. and oh, that's uh, a good age. Yeah, every time I take uh, take him to the vet to get his nails clipped, the vet all, all, uh, always comments that uh, he's nice and healthy. But um, what, what, as you'd know, apparently they're rear gut fermenters. Yes. Uh, so we shouldn't, you shouldn't give your rabbits corn and you should limit very much things like lettuce uh, and things like that. That will give them diarrhoea. So uh, mine's never had that problem. I've just, uh, I always give him, actually I've, I've made a little herb garden just for him. So I give him fresh herbs and only, <laughs> only rabbit pellets. So I yes. don't get the rabbit mix. Yeah. 
um, because it can have things in there that that really isn't good for rabbits. So I just thought if she's listening, just uh, avoid the lettuce. Stick with uh, herbs and and the pellets only, the rabbit pellets. Yes, so Dr. Kimball is the expert on rabbits, so I'm afraid my my (laughs) rabbit um, knowledge is not great, but it's certainly not too many greens, and make sure you're using a good quality mix. So you look at it, and the more money you pay for it, the better chance you've got of getting good quality. The cheaper stuff, as, as in dog and cat food, they chuck whatever in there to keep it at the low price. And you've got a varying quality. So, But a 10-year-old rabbit's doing pretty well, so you must be doing the right thing. And we're taking a look now at our Pet Rescue Animal of the Week. Yes, and we've got a lovely dog, affectionate two-year-old Great Dane Cross. Her name is Charm. She's um, got very loving eyes. You should see her face. You need to go to the website to have a look at that. She's really cute. She loves to swim, and she really enjoys being out and enjoying nature. She's gentle with children and would make a great family pet. She gets on with big dogs, but she's not fussed with cats and birds, so you will have to be very careful there. She loves playing and running and chasing, and she does enjoy to to play with balls. She's happy doing anything as long as she's with a family. She can use a doggy door, and she's house trained. She's well behaved in indoors, and she'll follow you around. So if you're looking for a really nice dog, but just remember this is a big dog, so she would be better with a couple that, um, or a, an active family or a couple with our older children um, because with little children she may knock them down. You will need a big yard with five to six foot fences because she is a big girl. If you're wanting more information on that, you can call her foster carer. That's Michelle on zero four double two six five two. Five three zero. Sounds like she'd go well in a place with a nice size yard. Yes, yeah, absolutely. She'd love that, I think, to be able to run around and that. Big yard, lots of play, activity, keep her busy. Yeah. Now, at the website, we have some photos of her, and the, her story is there too, all the details on her. Yep, absolutely. That's our Pet Rescue Animal of the Week. Thank you for that, Cheryl. Our topic today is the Aussie bird count. You've mentioned a bit about that. Any more information you can share with us? Um, really, the important thing is to, yeah, the more you have people looking and seeing, there was something like 16,000 checklists that have been submitted so far on the first three days. And just looking through the, you can go on the website and actually see the different bird species that are there, five, over 500 and 500,000 sightings or more. So it really is fascinating for a person who hasn't been a great bird watcher in the past I'm just, you know, it's just really interesting. It's very encouraging to go for a walk through a park or something, even like Jesmond Park, which is close to us, central to many people. Go for a walk through there and just look up in the trees and you'll you'll find heaps of different birds. But watch out for the snakes on the ground as well at the same time. Oh, oh, they're there, are they? (laughs) But it is, it's really important just to look around. And the more you look around, the time you spend, the the so much better it is. You, You learn so much more from other from other people, other animals. So. And if you really do want to get interactive, this is the week to do it with the Aussie Bird Count on. Go to their website. Can you mention that address again? AussieBirdCount.org.au. Yes, you can go there. You can find out details. You can download information. And also, you can get involved in as you go around, uh, writing down what birds you've That's seen. That's right. 20 minutes breeze. each day for this week. And that way, we've got an idea of where the birds are in Australia, whether they're surviving and or whether they're changing and yeah going to the Tim Lowe thing up at Cessnock the other day it was just fascinating how birds have moved different areas and they also depends on the the weather and the the actual climate that's happening the flowers that are flowering or the fruit and they actually move and follow that around so sort of like the sharks down the east coast or down the west coast of this great Australian bite the more we know the more we can track them the much better chance we've got of helping their environment for them. Is our area our region known for the, the many varieties that we have? 
Have a look out the window there. I think that's a... Yeah, I saw a minor bird. There's no, no, there. no, that's a, a, that's a... What's that? That's a minor bird, look. No, it's not. It's a... It, what do you call it's that? A, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm only just new to this. It looks yeah, like a... a... minor bird. No, it was a currawong. I'm closer to it than you. <laughs> I see it out the window there. There's a bird out on the app. You can actually get the identification and you can have a look and find out what the bird is by going through a particular flow diagram. Okay, I'll uh, leave you with that. Thank yes, you so yeah, much for yeah. today. Dr. Kimball. Really, she talk, should have talked about this one. The best bet yet. She'll be along next week, I hope. <laughs> Dr. Kimberly Earl, thank you so much today to Dr. Robert Stabler. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. Cheryl Shaw, thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. And to our callers, thank you for being part of the program. We love your calls and your input. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.